When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to PHLY Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Check out MortgageCS.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me as always, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor coming up in a little bit simply because I am uh, awesome at knowing the schedule. We will show you uh, part one of an interview Charlie did one-on-one with Bob Rotruck. Uh, it's going to be some good stuff. And it's part of us kind of trying to take a step back today. And the Flyers are off till next Tuesday. We can actually maybe focus a little bit on the bigger picture, a little bit on the future, uh, the rebuild, all that good stuff. Uh, before we throw to the interview in a few minutes, Charlie, just how was it talking to Bob? Yeah, it was great talking to Bob. Bob, obviously, if you're not aware, he is the, uh, the play-by-play and a commentator, announcer, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Look, I've made it very clear on this show <laughs> when we've been asked about how's this guy on the Phantoms doing? How's that guy on the Phantoms doing? Look, I can take a look at the statue. I look at the game logs now and then. You I know? can look at the numbers. <laughs> I can say, okay, that's about what I expected this guy to do. That's less than what I expect him to be producing right now. I do not have time to watch all the Phantoms games. I just don't. I'm covering the Flyers. There's really no way I can produce the show and written content that you all hopefully love so much while also setting aside time to watch 40 Phantoms games as well. So when I'm asked, I tend to defer to the people I talk to on a regular basis who do watch the Phantoms nightly. Bob is one of those people. Not only does he watch the Phantoms, he calls the Phantoms. He's around the team. So I thought, hey, 
if we're going to talk about the Phantoms and we're going to evaluate their the prospects there, the team as a whole, where they stand going into their second half as well, why not ask the person who's around the team as much as anyone? So we got Bob. Bob is a uh, is always a good interview. He always has a ton of information to share, which is why we had to cut this up into two parts because we just got into talking and it turned out that what I thought was originally going to be a 10 to 20 minute interview turned into about a 40 minute interview. So part one will be today. Part two will be tomorrow. This one is going to focus a little bit more on the big picture and some of the highest profile prospects that are currently in the organization. I'm talking about the guys that have spent significant time in the NHL or are, let's say, the is the top prospect down there. The guys there. whose names you the know. Guys who, yeah, exactly. Like the top prospect in the uh, in the AHL right now for the Flyers, I think we both would probably agree. Not counting Bobby Brink because he's no longer he even, just got there. He's no longer even a prospect. Like yeah. even if he spends the rest of the year in the AHL, this is his Calder Trophy season. He's no longer a a prospect. He will not be on our prospect list when we do it next month because he's not a prospect anymore. He's an NHLer. Yes, he's down in the AHL, but to me, the best prospect down there, Samu Tuamala. We will be talking to Bob about him. But before we get into the interview, yeah, I do want to have a conversation more high level about the AHL guys that we have seen at the NHL level. So specifically, we mentioned him a second ago, Bobby Brink recently sent down, goes down to the minors, has three goals in two games. He's Oh, He's man. doing exactly what you want him to do after being sent down. It doesn't seem like he's sulking. It's not the Wade Allison. Well, he's on the fourth line and he hasn't scored yet. And like he has scored at this yeah. point, but those first couple of weeks, everyone reported pretty rough. And we will actually, when we talk to Bob in a few minutes, we will get into Wade Allison yeah. as well. But Bobby Brink gets sent down, immediately starts lighting up the, uh, the score sheet. Bill, I guess I want to ask you the question straight up. Was it the right decision to send him down? I mean, you see their record since they sent him down? <laughs> no, listen, um, I, I know we always joke like, well, he wasn't getting the time. And it's like, well, they could just give it to him. Like, it's always the hot dog costume. We're yeah. looking for the Like, the coach can just play him more. Sure could have. But that's clearly, like, he's not going to play a guy who he feels, whether it's his play in games whether it's his practice habits, which I think were alluded to at one point. Yeah, whatever. It, wasn't even, it wasn't even alluded to. Yeah. He straight up said it. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is that resulted in his ice time going, like the game before he started getting 12 or fewer minutes every night, he played almost 18. So whatever led to him getting a six-minute-a-game reduction in ice time, that's a few shifts a period. We're not talking about like, oh, well, he's down to 15. Like, no. He played under – he averaged under 11 for the final six games he was in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever led to that, you're hoping like, okay, he just takes the right attitude to the AHL and like – produces so number one like we've said time and time again you can all you can do all the little shit you want guys like brink forster the end of the day they're going to need to produce points in order to have that cemented place in the nhl 2024 brink had no points in the ahl or in the nhl yeah. goes down immediately he's producing points now we heard last year while he was producing in the ahl it was like yeah he's hurt it doesn't look great but like he's showing up on the score sheet because he's that good I'm wondering if you kind of get into that a little with Bob in the interview. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to hearing what he had to say about Brink, but right move to send him down. Ugh, I guess. 
if he's if he's just not gonna get the playing time here, the number one thing is his development. I actually think it was the right move. I, I I am very much in favor of sending him down, especially to me. The big reason why is look, I think that Bobby Brink should be playing over Nick Delorier. But it wasn't even really just that. Yeah. Now, it's the fact that they have so many defensemen. Like, right now, there's just a roster lineup logjam basically ever since the Jamie Drysdale trade. And I don't have a problem with that. Like, hey, you're trying to get the best for Cutter Gauthier. You're in a weird situation. You have a chance to get a guy with top pair potential. Sure, get Jamie Drysdale now and figure it out down the road. But... I do think that where Bobby Brink has fallen into is that, especially with Noah Cates coming back, especially with the fact that they're expecting Owen Tippett will be back from his injury after the All-Star break, like, if you're going to roll with seven defensemen on a lot of these nights because you just have so many guys that need to play for various reasons, I don't know if Bobby Brink really does have a spot right now, especially given the fact that Look, for most of the first half of the season, John Tortorella had his, in case of emergency, bench Morgan Frost button. Morgan Frost, A, is playing very well. B, I think, has earned himself. I, th- I think J- Torts has, has put that button in his desk. It, it's, it's, in a, it's in a drawer. He can still break the it out if he wants to. The glass has been rebuilt around it, at least. Yes, exactly, exactly. He's, it's not, it's, there's not just a bunch of shattered glass from him slamming yes. the thing. Like, Frost has earned himself a little leeway, and because of that, there's just fewer spots in the lineup for Bobby Brink. What I want to see Brink do, and so far he's been doing it, is just go down there and crush it. Because we talked about this over the summer, even leading into camp, that while Brink put up points in the second half of last season, he didn't look that great. He was still coming back from the hip surgery. He didn't look fully healthy. He racked up points because he's got great vision and he's a good playmaker, but he didn't look good. I want him to go down there and look good for two weeks, three weeks, however long it is, I think this logjam is going to resolve itself, whether it's going to be because a couple of guys get hurt or more likely it's going to be because they trade away some guys at the deadline. Once the logjam gets resolved, get Brink back up here. But in the short term, I don't have a problem at all with having him go down to the minors and tear it up for a few weeks, get his confidence back up. And then when you bring him back up, he's feeling like he can take on the world. Do you think the demotion was more based on maybe him hitting some sort of rookie wall. We talked about with that. We we talked about that with Forster, maybe his play dipping a bit there with Brink. Do you think it was more that or perhaps as it was, like you said, not even alluded to outright said his practice habits. Did he get maybe a little too comfortable? It's an interesting question. I, I don't want to speculate one way or the other because I don't want to be questioning, uh, you know, the guy's character. My guess is that when you know, when John Tortorella talks about practice habits, I don't think he necessarily means, man, he's he's dogging it out there. He's not trying. I think John Tortorella has a very high bar for what he considers to be strong practice habits. And yeah, maybe Bobby Brink got a little complacent because he started thinking, you know, I don't have to go out there every day and be doing everything I can to impress the coach. And maybe John Torrell looks at it as, no, you do. You very much do. You haven't earned anything yet. Yeah, you're in the NHL, but I do not view you. He actually straight up said this. You're not cemented. Yeah, he he said this a few weeks before the demotion that Bobby Brink is not yet cemented himself as a full-time NHLer. He's in the NHL. He's holding his own, but he's not a full-time NHLer the same way that you know, even somebody who's struggling like Scott Lawton. Scott Lawton is a full-time He's NHL, an NHL player. He's earned it. Bobby Brink in Tortorella's mind has not yet proven over a large sample size that he is an every night has to be their NHLer. And I think maybe 
they were hoping for him to to start trying to show them he deserves it more. And maybe they just didn't quite see it. Like, look, we talked about in the past about how you have to show up to training camp in incredible shape to survive a towards camp. That's that expectation holds the rest of the season. Maybe I don't think it's that they think Brink is lazy. I just think that they want to see Brink maybe be just like taking practices as seriously as humanly possible. And instead he maybe thinks, yeah, I don't have to go balls to the wall every day. Like I did in September and October and November. And they're like, now nah, you do when your bar is made the team because of an outstanding effort in preseason and training camp. That's why you're here. Like, yeah. And it, honestly, if it wasn't, well, Forster has to make it and we can't have him make it without this dude who totally outplayed him throughout the preseason like brink was here it's felt like uh, like as a surprise to everyone and almost like well we can't have forster without him and we really want forster so we it was always seen maybe a little precarious yeah and then once it dipped it was like time but i'm just looking i'm looking forward to finding out what happens after some defensemen are traded maybe like does ula lixell I did it. I did it right. You did. Uh, did well Ula, done, does Bill. Ula Lixell stay? Like, is is Brink the next guy up when there's an injury, or is it going to be a Tuamala? Is it going to be someone else? Maybe a more established guy like a Cooper Marodi is just because you know he's got a little bit of experience. But we'll see how it goes. I'm just what happens next is the most interesting thing to me, and obviously we have no uh, no answers on that because right. it's the future. Um, since I mentioned Lixell. Kind of like what I've seen out of him since they've brought him up. Uh, he's had a few chances. One of the few guys the last couple of nights who's like actually stood out. Yeah, now I agree he's with that. like low bar, like standing out when yeah. you're when you like when only one guy scores over two games. Like it's not that hard to stand out. I wouldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah, because Forrester had they both, got shut had both out. The goals, they got had shut both out. Goals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, I don't think they scored a ton in the game. Like, there haven't been much in the last it's like been three a rough games. Go for the Flyers. Um, yeah. But Lixell hasn't looked out of place. I've liked what I've. Seen. I want to see more. Uh, but just a guy who's made a few things happen on a few games where not much else has happened. That's what I've seen out of him. I think he's been noticeable. And and that's a big step over where he was the last time he got an extended look, which was last season. He had that one game where he had fewer than 10 minutes uh, against Arizona uh, this season. Probably shouldn't even have played, but Ryan Palin got sick, so he jumps in. I'm comparing this Lixell to the one we saw last season when he got an actual extended audition. I think this version looks more noticeable. He's trying more things. We talked about this on the post game uh, after the uh, the loss to the Bruins. He's got seven shots on goal in his last two games. That's a positive. He got a uh, secondary assist on the second uh, Tyson Forrester goal, so he's got a point. He's got something to, to pin himself to in terms of the score sheet. My big question with Lixell, and this is going to remain my question with him until he either makes it clear that he's an NHL caliber player or is the Flyers make it clear he's no longer really in the mix aside from just being an injury call up, which maybe I just wonder if he is something of a tweener where he very clearly can score at the AHL level. He's got 28 points in 34 games this year. He had 45 and 53 last year. He is a good AHL point producer, Mm -hmm. undeniably. I do not know if he can be a good NHL point producer. And if he can't be a good NHL point producer, I don't think I see him as a fourth line. That's especially considering now you can say, well, why can't we just have a skilled fourth line? 
Good question. What we're seeing is like we think we know who's going to be a fourth. Like the type of guy who's going to be a fourth liner on this team is just different than what maybe a Lixell if that's all he is. Like, what exactly are you going to be? Like, we know Forster. Like he's going to have to score. He's going to have to do like Brink. We you're going to have to put up points, man. Like if Lixell isn't a top nine guy, does he? Is he going to be able to adapt his game to? what this coaching staff wants a fourth liner to be. Exactly. Like, like, I think that's the big question with him going forward. And uh, maybe he just starts to put up a ton of points. I just, I don't. And I'm of the opinion that I know, I know a lot of people get critical of the Flyers. It's like, well, they just make their fourth liners, traditional fourth liners. To me, it's less about that you have to be physical and all that stuff. It's more about if you're going to be an NHL fourth liner can you succeed in 10 minutes a night? Can you provide value in a limited role? Because most scorers, not all, but most, most scorers need more minutes in order to get themselves into a game. They, everybody but Joel Farabee, apparently. Everybody but Joel Farabee. <laughs> yeah. But 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 seriously, and even Joel Farabee, he's still yeah, getting no, yes. 16 yeah. to 18 minutes a night. He's not playing fourth line. Yes. Yeah. My point is, is that it's a lot easier for if your role as a fourth liner is you're going to go in hard on the four check and create havoc and, and just muck shit up. It's a lot easier to do that because you could theoretically do that on pretty much every shift. Whereas if you're a scorer, it all, sometimes for scores, it can, you know, you have to take risks in order to score points. Generally speaking, that's just the way it goes. You have to be willing to make, have a turnover, you know, maybe, you know, flub a pass, you know, you misfire on a shot or something. If you're getting 15 plus minutes a night, you make that mistake and you know, hey, in in a minute, I'm going to be right back out there. Two, three minutes, I'm going to be right back out there. I'm going to be able to make up for that. If you're getting nine minutes a night, if you make a mistake, you might not be out there for another five, six minutes and not even because you were benched, but just because that's the way the rotation goes and you're a fourth liner and that's your role. Suddenly there's a penalty. Now there's two minutes where you're definitely not getting out there. Exactly, exactly. So to me, it's less about does Lixell play a fourth line game. Like, no, he's not Garnet Hathaway. He's certainly not Nick Delorier in terms of style. <laughs> but like, I look at somebody like Scott Lawton. Scott Lawton, I know he's having a bad year this year, but Scott Lawton is a skilled guy. He can make plays. But Scott Lawton can also make plays and be useful in nine minutes a night if that's how it goes. I question whether Lixell can do what makes him good at the AHL level in those kinds of limited minutes. And I also question whether he can score enough at the NHL level to warrant 15 minutes a night, even as a third liner. I want him to prove me wrong because it's not even really proving me wrong. I'm just skeptical. It was the same skepticism I had about David Kasha. I had that same feeling of him being a tweener. I like Lixell more because I think Lixell is a more skilled player on the whole than Kasha is. But I have the same concern of if he's not a third liner at the NHL level, can he be an NHLer? Because I don't think he fits as a fourth liner. Before we throw it to the interview, I want to tell you about my friends over at Bagels and Company. That's right, Bagels and Co. The best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here with Philly Love. First thing you got to know about Bagels and Company, huge bagels. These things are gigantic, and they're delicious, and they have a huge variety of them, usually 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily. And when you have that many bagels in stock, you need a huge selection of cream cheeses, 30 different varieties of cream cheeses and schmears available daily. Obviously, uh, as I always tell you, they have the, you know, 
sports themed ones, uh, sports themed flavors. They have the seasonal varieties. You saw me eat that uh, Christmas <laughs> Christmas themed bagel at the Reading Terminal show. Uh, they have Eagles, Phillies, all sorts of different types of cream cheeses to go along with any maybe uh, party catering event that you have. Go to Bagels and Co. But the most important thing I would say. It's that they're an affordable brand. You get a lot of food for cheap, and that's huge for uh, pretty much everyone I know, especially this time of year coming out of the holidays. Maybe you want to do a little something special, having an office party or something. Everyone goes with the pretzels. Everyone goes with the chicken nuggets, something like that. Mix it up. Go with Bagels & Co., man. It's just it's a little something different, and there's plenty to choose from as we've laid out. So for the best Brooklyn-styled bagels made right here in Philly, head to thebagelsandco.com slash store-locator to find the closest bagels and company near you. Uh, Charlie, do you want to talk a little more about the Phantoms or just throw it to the interview and see where we are when we come out? Yeah, I'll just give like a little bit of a, an intro to the Phantoms before we get into the interview with Bob. So the Phantoms this year, not doing great, at least in terms of record, uh, 17, 16, 5, and 2. So they've lost significantly more games than they've won, because I guess if you're looking at this on the whole, that would be like a 17 and 23 straight up win-loss record. They're 7th in the Atlantic Division. I think there were expectations they were going to be better. We talk about uh, this with Bob in a few minutes. Um, top scorers, Cooper Marodi, a, a former Flyers draft pick who was traded, <laughs> traded, before, and traded before being signed. Now he's brought back. He's now clearly just an AHL vet Future type. general manager. Yeah, you never know. Future <laughs> Flyers alumni game star. Uh, Cooper Marodi leads the team with 35 points in 40 games. Samu Tuamala leads all the prospects with 12 goals, 34 points in 40 games. Second in the AHL in rookie scoring. You have Luxell, 28 points in 33 games. Tanner Lazinski, who's actually banged up at the moment, so he's injured, uh, 26 points in 33 games. And then Emil Andre, 22 points in 31 games. We will discuss Emil Andre with Bob, but that will not come until tomorrow. So tomorrow, tomorrow is when we talk about Emil Andre or Uh, so, but yes, Emil Andre fourth in the AHL among rookie defensemen in scoring. So he's having a good start to his professional series, professional career in North America, even if he wasn't able to stick with the Flyers to start the season. There's your quick little rundown of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Now we will get to part one of our interview with Bob Rotruck and go into the details. We are here with the voice of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, Bob Rotruck. Bob, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Charlie, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Definitely. So as I've been very honest about on this show, due to the fact that I cover the Philadelphia Flyers on a daily basis, I do not have time to watch the Lehigh Valley Phantoms very often. I try to get up there a couple times a year, haven't had a chance to yet this year, but people will ask me how the prospects are doing, and I have to essentially depend upon the reports I hear from people in the organization and then people who actually are able to watch Phantoms games on a daily basis. And Bob obviously is as much of a Phantoms expert as you're going to get. So, uh, so we wanted to have Bob on the show during this bye week to, uh, to dive a little bit into uh, the Phantoms, the team, the prospects, and just how things are going, uh, you know, about what, an hour, 90 minutes away by car? Yeah. Something yeah, like it, that? It depends on when you're traveling. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, an hour, if you're going to come up at one in the morning or something, probably longer than that, if you're coming up in the afternoon. 
Fair point, fair point. So I guess I'll kick it off with more of a, a bigger picture question on the team as a whole. Yeah. So uh, the Phantoms right now are, are seventh in the division. After seemingly taking a step forward last season, obviously they made the playoffs. Um, Elon Perrier got a lot of praise uh, within the organization uh, for the work he did both with the prospects and in terms of the team playing well. I know they've lost some guys. You know, Tyson Forrester is an NHL, uh, you know, an NHL player now. Anisimov isn't on the team anymore. Zamula's up there. Brink spent most of the second half of the year with the team. He's been with the Flyers most of the year. But I think the expectations were probably at least from the outside, higher than how the team has performed thus far. So I'm curious as to, you know, what's been happening there and why they maybe haven't lived up to preseason expectations. I I think it's fair to say that the expectations were higher inside as well. And I also (laughs) think it's fair to wonder what is happening. The the team is better than their record. And and a lot of of people say that, you know, for their own teams and their own situations. I think it's very clear for Lehigh Valley and, and, You have a few different aspects here that you can look at for for why the record is where it is. The the defense is young, and that's been exposed sometimes. I think the goaltending has not performed up to expectations consistently enough. Sometimes Felix Sandstrom and Cal Peterson have been great. Other times they've let in a goal or two that maybe they probably should not have. And it's hard to win when you're team save percentage is hovering around 885, you know, and, and I, we don't want to pin everything on, on the goaltending, but that, that does make a difference. And there have been times when the Phantoms have played some games where I feel like they've outperformed the opponent and, and you outshoot them 40 to 25, but they get a goaltender that stands on his head and you're not, you're just not buying a goal. And, and so some of it is a little bit of a iffy luck going against them it is frustrating because the team has been more or less relatively healthy. They have not been rated that much by the Flyers because when the Flyers get injuries, obviously that affects the Phantoms and, and sure. Lehigh Valley is going to lose one of their top guys or, or more than one of the top guys. That happens to a lot of teams. It, it's happened a little bit more recently with a couple of, of recent injuries. Wade Allison's been out. Tanner Lozinski has been out and Louis Belpedio. He might be out for a little longer also, and he's a big deal on defense. And now Garrett Wilson, the captain, is out at least for the short term. So now it's starting to to pile up a little bit on Lehigh Valley, whereas before they kind of had too many players. But, yeah, I, I, I think the feeling is, look, we're playing well, and then we make one really bad mistake in there, shoot ourselves in the foot. It costs us a game in close games, or you're going to play a lot of one-goal games. Those types of mistakes are – critical and and after the saturday game uh the phantoms were down uh in that game 3-1 rallied to tie it in the third on goals for brink and allison in his first game back had a chance to win they they lost in a shootout so that was you know that's kind of a coin flip when you get to a shootout and wade allison in the post game actually i think put it best and he said look if we just stop shooting ourselves in the foot we've got a really good team here Mm. and i think everyone believes that and what I can tell and what Lappy has also said many times is look, we're, we're still, and the players too, we're, we're still tight in the room, you know, and, and they feel like they still have that chemistry. And I think they know what they have, even if the results have been a little bit shorter uh, of what they've been hoping that they would be by this point right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess the hope would be, you know, assuming that some of these injuries don't linger that they're dealing with now that they'll have a much stronger second half than, than first half. I, I think that they're, 
they're banking on it. Yes, I, I think so. I, I certainly believe that too. It, definitely need some better goaltending in, in key moments though as well. That's That's just definitely a thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. I guess now we'll move into the individual prospects. I know this is where, you know, a lot of Flyers fans are more focused on. They'd like to see the Phantoms win, but they care much more about the names they know and how they're performing. So I guess aside from Bobby Brink, who obviously just was sent down, he spent most of the year with the Flyers. Samu Tuamala is probably the top prospect on this roster. What I really liked about him watching him at development camp uh, in Voorhees this summer and then at main camp, also in Voorhees moving into the fall, it was the way he was playing with a style of play that to me seemed very translatable to the North American pro game. It was it was a fast-paced style. He was getting in on the forecheck. He was actually being pretty chippy for his size. It just looked like the kind of style where you could you watch him and you said, yeah, that, that's a really good NHL middle sixer. Obviously, his production's been strong this year with the Phantoms, but has that style continued throughout the season for, for Samu? Yes, and you know, you talk about his size, and he doesn't come off as the biggest guy there. I can stand right next to him. You know, I'm five foot six and a half. You know, I'm not <laughs> a big guy, and he's not exactly towering over me. Uh, but then you look at him, he's winning board battles. He goes in there and, and, you know, gets his nose dirty some. I don't want him at the net front too much to get killed in there, but, you know, sometimes he can do that too. But he wins board battles, and you know I've talked with Lappy about it, and also our assistant coach John Snowden, because he's had a couple of assists where he's he's digging it away and setting up Lexell or or whoever for for a really nice goal, and and I'm like, well, look at the assist that Samu had. That's not like a pretty two-on-one sauce across or anything like that. That's digging it away against some strong guys. And John Snowden, our assistant coach, had pointed out to me. You know, don't underestimate how strong Samu is. Her, his legs, you know, are like like Kapanen back in the day as, as well. <laughs> There's that similarity there. Right. Samu is not as wide, but his legs, man, he's built like a tank from the waist below. Even if he looks like he's a little scrawny up top, he's still, he just turned 21 years old. So he's still a kid. Now, I, I will say though, and, and Samu knows this, and Lappy has referenced it as well. Okay, the point production is there. Sometimes there are some really good plays. It's consistency, though. And he even had a talk with a couple of guys, including Ali Luxell last, the previous weekend. We were in Cleveland two weekends ago and had a loss on Friday. And he said, I talked with some guys about, you know, not taking shifts off and, and really pushing. And when you're away from the puck and playing harder, and that's something that they've talked about with Ali before. You know, coaching is a lot of repeating your own, words over and over but uh i got the impression that that was about lixell and also about samu tuamala that and sometimes he gets a goal and it's great and then but he knows and he said it before like hey the last few games i really don't think i've been playing all that well which is probably a good thing maybe is a little bit of a perfectionist as a lot of players are but I, I know that all the philly fans get so excited when he scores a goal and bring him up i see that right. stuff on twitter and so forth too He's not there yet. He's going to get there, but he, he he has still work to be done uh, in a lot of that off-the-puck stuff. Now it's with a different line as well because Tanner Lozinski is out right. and um, Ali Luxell is up. That was the combo for a little while. Now he's with Rhett Gardner, who was a really nice stabilizing force there. Then you put Brink and Tuomalo on that line together. 
and they're just zipping around. I, I don't buy it that Brink is that slow. He was, he looked pretty darn fast to me, or fast <laughs> enough anyway, to, to really kind of dominate the games last weekend. So watching that line try to develop some chemistry for however long Bobby Brink is going to be here with us is, is really exciting too. Uh, by the way, when I was talking about what Lappy had told me after the Friday game, Saturday, two Saturdays ago, first shift of the game, Ali Luxell is flying in there and blasts some guy in the forecheck. And I go, okay, now that's, and he doesn't do a lot of that. That's what Lappy's talking about. And then literally two, three days later, Ollie's going up. I mean, it, they notice these things right. and it, and it is important. And, and you know, that you get, you hear that talk all the time. Hey, it's why Bobby Brink came back down to us in the first place as well. Torts was saying, okay, yeah, sometimes he can produce. What else are you doing? Everything else needs work. And there was also, and I'm, getting off on a tangent here, but there was a goal in our game this past Saturday. Um, and it, I think it was Andre Tuamala actually cut across on, on the power play, I think. Maybe not. It wasn't power play. It was high slot. And he takes a shot, rebound off a goalie, and Brink is there to put it in, getting his nose dirty, getting a greasy goal. Okay, we know he can score some of those skill goals but getting in there and doing that is that not what torts was exactly talking about with bobby brink i don't know how much he's getting into the net front in philadelphia i don't get to watch the flyers games as much just like you don't get to watch the phantoms games but looking at that goal that brink had i'm like well maybe that's even more important than than some of the really pretty goals and and the the powerful snipes that we see when he gets in there and gets a dirty greasy goal like that one that might actually be more important and more attention grabbing to danny briere who was there at the game on saturday came up from philadelphia to see that one as did Mm. a lot of flyers officials i feel like that's really important for bobby brink as well Gotcha. So going back i'll get to brink in a second but yeah 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 yeah, yeah, going back to 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 tuamala do you get the sense, because he's obviously had a very weird trajectory since being drafted. He bounced around. He spent a little bit of time in the minors after being drafted, then went back overseas, couldn't really find his spot. Do you get the sense that because of his odd path to get to this point, that even though he's playing well, that maybe they want him to have a full stabilizing season and not rush him up to the NHL as quickly as possible? Well, I, I think so, but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they dangled a carrot for him and gave him that reward at the end of the year, too. Got it. Uh, because he deserves it. The fact of the matter is, he's a big surprise to everyone. And Lappy has said that many times. And I said it right from the, from the very beginning. We had him here two years ago for a little over a month. And he's flying around in the preseason games. That's not really the same, a Phantoms preseason game with a lot of ECHL guys. He played two games for the Phantoms, and he was completely lost out there. Mm. All over the place, had no idea where to go. Stayed with us a couple more weeks, practices, trying to get it. The guy could barely speak English then. You know, it wasn't happening. He wasn't ready to get into the lineup. He just wasn't close. And then after, you know, and I'm reading, um, you know, it goes down to Mestis League in Finland and all of that. Right. And I'm, you know, and his numbers were not exactly through the roof in Finland. So when Tuomala is coming back this year at 20 years old, okay, he's fast. He's got a, you know, a great shot. He has some skill set there. But what I saw from him two years ago, I didn't think he was going to be ready for this. I thought it was going to be some real growing pains. And, and, and there are some, but he has been because of his English, which he has worked on so well. Now he can do a full interview. Uh, and I know you saw him in, yeah. in Voorhees, 
you know, that back at rookie camp and all of that, I can talk with him for five, 10 minutes and he's fine. He can do it, which is amazing compared to where he was two years ago, where he could say hi. And that was about it. Um, and, And obviously that's huge for him to be able to understand what the coaches are talking about as well. And to get, and, and to get on that page and understand everything that's happening with conversations with his teammates too. Uh, he is so much better for this first half of the season with still some some kinks to work out, but he is so much better than I think any of us expected him to be. I would assume that probably Danny Briere was there as well. Like we didn't know what we were gonna have out of him yeah. and there's gonna be some real growing pains and it's like, wow, Samu's doing okay. And now here he is the second highest scoring rookie in the entire AHL. Like he's been that good when when he's on top of his game. He's a re- but referring to him as having, you know, being surprisingly good this year, I think that's fair. 20 years old, didn't have great numbers in Finland, was bouncing around, couldn't find a stride. Now coming back to the North American game where he wasn't exactly doing great when we had him 2 years ago, he looks so good. But yes, I to your original point, I I, I for a variety of reasons also, because he's not there yet, right. I don't think they're going to rush him and find a spot for him in the NHL. He needs to continue here. And he still has work on his game to improve. If he goes up there, it's going to be, you know, sort of similar in some ways to Bobby Brink in John Tortorella's eyes all over again. Like, okay, yeah, you're doing some things right. Everything else, you need to work on this and and send him back. There, there's no point in bringing him up except for maybe a taste as kind of a reward, which I do think could happen. I'm, I'm just projecting there. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. No, that that makes perfect sense. And and that's kind of where my head was at with him as well. You know, maybe he gets a cup of coffee at the end as just a right. you know pat on the back, preparing. You know, give a give the guy a chance to see what it's like, so he knows what to work on over the summer, and then try to make the big push at next camp to maybe try to make the team out of uh, out of training camp. There, there were some really simple things as well at the beginning of the season that he has refined. Uh, they, they put him in the in the slot, in the bumper position on the power play, and he's kind of rotated over, sometimes over uh, on his one-timer side on the left circle. But he would take it, and he would just hammer away as hard as he could on any one-timer. He had to have a really quick release. I think he's panicking because it's North American game. You have no time. And he's missing the goal by two yards. Mm. You know, and it's just coming around the boards and coming out. And, and he's not even close. And that there was there was no point to that. And and I'm like, I, I think that he's just he might as well be closing his eyes and shooting it. <laughs> and and Lappy has talked with him, and I think others have as well. Just settle down. He does you don't have to shoot it as hard as you humanly can. You can shoot it at 90% and you still have a crazy wicked shot. But if you get it to a corner and actually get it on net, you're giving yourselves yourself a chance. And that's when he started to get some goals and getting them to go in. I talked with him about that with Lappy as well. I think everyone's on the same page. He was he was overshooting before and just missing the net by so much. It was just ridiculous. So it, that's where, he, and, and so sometimes it would accidentally be on target and go in. <laughs> that's kind of where he was in early November. Like, let's let's kind of settle down here. And, and it's really simple, basic things. And remember, he just turned 21. He's still a kid. Right. You know, and there, there's so much time for him. And I, I see him making strides and then maybe, you know, some steps back one week after another. He's going to get there, but he's not there yet. But the point production is indeed the Flyers fans are correct to be excited about him, I think. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. So moving on to, uh, to Bobby Brink, who you talked about briefly, you know, in the conversation about Tuamala, yeah. you know, obviously since he's been sent down, he's been scoring, he's got the three goals in two games, but do you get the sense? Cause I, I expect a guy who can hold his own at the NHL level is probably going to put up points at the AHL level. Do you get the sense that he's approaching this demotion with the right attitude? Because I know for the Flyers, that's just as important as whether he's putting up points is if he's responding well and he's not sulking, that he's trying to work on the things they want him to work on down there. Well, for the most part, those guys try to hold that stuff from me. Fair. (laughs) Sometimes you can tell the guys is pouting. I mean, Morgan Frost back in the day had a real heart to heart with me. He was frustrated. You know, why am I getting sent down? And, you know, some guys will talk and some guys won't. Uh, But I I do think so. I think he has the right approach. I think he wants to play. And obviously he hadn't for the last three games with Philadelphia. Uh, But your previous point that, hey, when guys go down, yeah, of course they're going to score. I don't know if that's correct, though. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect out of Bobby. He looks a lot better than he did when we had him last year. When he had some ups and downs, he was coming off the hip surgery. Right. A back-to-back for Bobby. That second game, he was slow. You know, and I, I think I mean, I think he was pushing through it some. You know, he looks a ton better now than he did with us last year, which I was hoping for. But there, there's a lot of guys that talk about how different the AHL is because it's a more chaotic game. There's less flow. Passes maybe aren't quite as on the tape as much. as And, and some guys... Tyson Forster, I think, will talk about this. Maybe Cam York, too. They'll talk about how it's actually an easier game in some ways at the NHL level, which, yeah. you know, yeah. obviously that feels that. contradictory yeah. to what you would expect. But I've heard so many guys say that. It, it, it's, it doesn't make sense at first, but you have to stop and think about it from, from their perspective. And you're playing with better players that are putting it right on your tape on really smooth ice to set you up for, you know, Forrester on the rush to score the two goals that he did against Boston and so forth. Um, so I I didn't know if Bobby was going to really pop off the page when he came back. And then it was like, oh, wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, that, the, and the first game, he only had one goal. It could have been four. <laughs> it's it yeah. just, just developing chances all over the place, which is great. I don't know if that's enough to get him back to the NHL level, but everything else that he's doing as well. And he's just so creative with the puck, you know, Lappy and Wade Allison also in his post game, they talked about, you know, Bobby's not going to be here for long. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, he, they're, they're, he has no business being here to, if he's playing like that. So he's sort of in that a little bit of in between mode. Like he's not quite cutting it in some ways at the NHL level. Now he comes here and he gets this big confidence boost. And we had sort of a similar thing in some ways, I feel like four or five years ago when Travis Sanheim came down mm. to us, like in February, you know, yeah, and, and he still actually had to continue to grow and develop since then. But this sort of reminds me of that, a guy that was expected to be at the NHL. Well, I, I don't know if we knew that Brink was going to make the, the Flyers. Yeah, he had an amazing camp. I, I don't think that. that was the expectation. But once he yeah. made it and he was doing so well and then halfway yeah. through the season, nobody says, okay, is he really going to? have to go back down because he stagnated some, he stalled out some, you know, Travis Sanheim was sort of the same. Like he's a guy who's supposed to hang here. Yeah. And then they, they sent him back. Hexy back in the day, sent him back. And then Sanheim similarly, I think he put together like a nine game point streak or something. He kind of thrived in his three weeks with us. I don't know if Brink is going to be here with us for three weeks, but <laughs> NHL's on the all-star break. We still have games coming up. So that whole combination, it does kind of make sense to keep Bobby here 
uh, for for however long. If he keeps keeps this up, though, <laughs> yeah, it, it, we're looking at him going. He, he doesn't belong here. Oh wow, <laughs> you know, it, it really was impressive what he did, especially Friday. But but then two goals Saturday kind of spoke for itself too. Yeah, another guy you you mentioned, you know, when we're talking about Bobby, and I actually wanted to to bring him up as well, uh, Wade Allison, just because he was a guy where. You know, obviously he gets demoted at the start of the year. He gets waived, clears waivers, gets sent down. And uh, and Ian LaPerriere, who who can do this sometimes, can give away a little bit more information than you expect, more or less strongly implied that Wade was sulking a little bit at the beginning of the year, that he was struggling with the fact that he was demoted. Then a couple, I think it was like a few days or maybe a week later, he kind of backtracked. He said, you know, I maybe went a little bit too far with those comments further than I wanted to. But do you feel like now that Wade has kind of accepted and embraced where he's at now? Obviously, he wants to be up in the NHL, but but is yeah. that attitude still a problem? No, no, I, I don't think so. Um, and I don't know if the if it if it was that much of a problem necessarily at the beginning, you know. But yes, he I, I think he was a little frustrated, but. In a way, I mean, you don't want to be happy to be here sure. either. You know, sure. a, a guy that is is expected to be at the NHL level, but he he didn't play as well at the start, and we're kind of wondering, well, you know, what's what's happening with Wade now? More recently, he missed the last five games with an injury before he came back Saturday. He took he took some weird hits in a game on January 12th, and he left kind of hobbling and looked like it was a knee thing, maybe because uh, he was kind of pointing to that. It, it wasn't too serious. Obviously, he came back yeah. a couple of weeks later. But no, he he fights and competes for his guys here. Uh, upstairs in the press box, when he's a scratch, and I noticed this two years ago, the, the the scratched and injured guys they sit one booth over from me. I'm not over there staring at them all the time, but they're usually just chilling and watching the game. Wade, two years ago, and I even told him this. I saw him. He get he gets up. You know, if the Phantoms score a goal with two minutes left to tie it, he's standing and yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's 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 an emotional guy and yeah, he's pumped. He I've never seen players up there act like that. And he was actually doing it uh, the other night, his last game out with an injury. Friday, uh, the the Phantoms were down three nothing and they came back to tie it, and he was he was into it. So if, if that if that doesn't tell you something about his buy-in and compete level for this team here. This group of guys, which Bobby Brink referenced as well, it's a good group of guys here. He knows a lot of the guys are Captain Garrett Wilson and Bell PDO and players like that. You know, that, then, then I don't know what will because they, when you get out, when you get down here, yeah, sure, it's a little bit of a disappointment when it happens. But when you get out there in the game, you want to play well and you want to win. And, and I mean, it's just the competitive juices get flowing. It's hard to just sort of coast through an entire hockey game like that. So I think, I, yeah, Wade's okay. And I think now I, I don't I don't know what the plans are for him with the Flyers in the future, but if he's going to be looked at by other teams as well, and I think that he probably has an awareness of this. He's not just playing for Danny Breer and the Flyers, but for his future also, more or less playing for 31 other teams to show them that he can still do it. Obviously, nobody claimed him off of waivers, so that's that's quite a statement there. I I I thought he would get claimed. Yeah, I thought so too. You know, I mean, I, it's early in the year, so you don't have a whole lot of injuries, you know, and different teams don't have spots to fill and you have your own guys. But I thought somewhere there's got to be a team that wants to take a shot on him because of what he is capable of doing and and what we all know he can do. But 
so I, I think uh, Wade, Wade's okay. I, I and I and I thought he played very well, especially since he hadn't played in three weeks or whatever it was. Uh, you know, and he, he scored a goal that that tied it in the third against the Toronto Marlies, and he was absolutely pumped up when when Brink and uh, they, they got a five. They were down by two. They had a five on three early in the third, and and then Brink. And Allison scored back to back, five on three and then five on four, pretty much from the same spot over in the left circle. Allison's was a little bit on the rush and it was a gorgeous shot. And it was his first goal in a month. He hadn't scored for a couple of weeks before his injury. So he knows that. But boy, when he gets that one goal, you know, now they can start to snowball for him. And I'm, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Wade keeps it up and ends up having a big week out of this. That would be really good. And I'm kind of waiting for. Him to really get rolling he's come that close a couple of times and then kind of you know, then then they weren't coming for him as much part of that's where the team had a little bit of a lag as well welcome back uh that was part one of charlie's interview with phantoms play-by-play announcer bob Rotruck touched on a lot of things there if you, obviously bob Big into the Phantoms. That's why we had to split this up into two parts. Uh, there's a whole other piece to, uh, coming to you tomorrow uh, that we will get to. But for today, a couple of things he talked about. Um, let's start with the guy we mentioned earlier, Bobby Brink. I mean, the big takeaway here, he said like three different times, Bobby's not going to be here for long. I don't know if he's going to be here another three weeks. Just, you know, talking about the combinations. Like, well, he's building chemistry, but like, you know, what... Does that even is that even going to matter in terms of the Phantom season itself? Uh, he's got the three goals in two games, nine shots on goal for the Phantoms in the two games that he has played down there. What are you thinking after he basically told us like because we made the comparison earlier? Listen, he was putting up points last year with the Phantoms, but everyone said like he's either hurt, so he's still hurt coming off the injury. He's he doesn't look good. Yeah, sounds like he looks real good. My initial takeaway is Oli Luxell better start scoring <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because if he doesn't, Bobby Brink's coming back up for your job, buddy. No, it, it does sound like, and I know Bob couldn't speak to the specifics as to whether Bobby Brink was sulking or not, but presumably if you're dominating that much, you ain't sulking. You're focused on maybe you're angry, and if you're angry, good. But maybe you're like, you know what? I shouldn't be down here. I'm going to show them how wrong they were for sending me down. And I'm just going to tear it up in the AHL. And it seems like that's exactly what he's doing, which, hey, I don't think the Flyers have a problem with that mentality. What they don't want is they don't want to woe is me. The world is, is, is you know, structured against me. It's also unfair. If you go down there with a, you know, fuck these guys, I'm going to prove how wrong they are. I think the Flyers love that shit. I mean, we know. Based on all evidence, that is the attitude John Tortorella wants every single one of his players to have. Yeah. No matter what they have accomplished or what they haven't accomplished, he wants them to feel as if they are like accepting a challenge every day. And if you do that, you're probably going to make a... I mean, Morgan Frost finally went and basically got in an argument with John Tortorella and... We just said it seems as if for now the scratch Morgan Frost option is off the table yeah. uh, because now I mean he's backed it up with his play. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. You and have J- to actually and John and John Tortorella would argue that there is a connection there. Yes, that's the thing. Like, you have to back it up with your play. But if your attitude becomes 
I'm going to prove you the fuck wrong. And then you go out and actually do that on the ice. Like you are now indispensable to John Tortorella because you are a success story. He gets to point to you in film room and be like, remember when he was getting sat? Now he isn't. Why do you think that is like, so I really hope it because man, if Bobby Brink becomes a top six or top nine forward for this team, one, it just makes the, that whole draft better because Cam York seems to be coming into his own and, you know, but it just, it's one less thing. Yeah, it's, it's just it, one less no, thing. No, it is. And it's also just the fact that this team, it's really funny given the way the previous decade went. This team really needs playmakers. Yeah. It needs passers. Very now, maybe Morgan Frost is taking a step forward where he can be part of this and he can be one of those playmakers. But I think Bobby Brink has better. It, Morgan Frost is quicker. And Morgan Frost, I think, has a more complete game at this stage of his career. I think Bobby Brink is a better pure passer than Morgan okay. Frost in terms of in the offensive zone, finding guys. I am I have accepted in my mind, I do not think Morgan Frost will ever at the NHL level be able to be the guy who distributes on the power play, who's the prime distributor, even on a power play too. I feel like if he was going to show it, he would have shown it. They have enough shooters. He just is not that guy. He can't do it. Bobby Brink, I think, could theoretically be a guy who is a primary distributor on a power play if he hits the ceiling. I think he just has, he has, we've talked about it on the show before. He seems like he has great vision even when he's under puck pressure. He makes these decisions. We've seen a couple amazing passes he's had around the net where there are guys basically on top of him and he's still found Joel Farabee for a tap-in goal. I really like Brink's upside as a passer. And if if he hits, if he's a 60-point-a-year guy who you can stick on your second line, suddenly, you know, yeah, you still need, I think, one more elite playmaking type, ideally. But maybe you don't need as many. Maybe then you've got Frost and Brink, and those are your two secondary playmakers, and you just need to get that one guy who can be a you know 60-assist-a-year guy, and then, boom, you're set from a stylistic standpoint up front. It's, it is, it's hard not to laugh at... The Flyers need play. Like they have all these yeah. dudes who can shoot yeah. now and they need someone who can pass. We have seen, I think an uptick in Morgan Frost's like toughness on and off the puck. Cause that was what was separating he and Brink to me early in the season was Frost still looked like that guy who was allergic to contact. Mm. Wow. It was like uh, Brink just won a battle and then made a pass out of that. Or, you know, Brink's going to the front of the net doing those little things. And Bob said, like, he scored a goal going to the net. That's probably one of those things that, you know, John Tortorella harps on because it's something he mentions all the time. Uh, But I'm really looking forward to seeing Brink come back up. Do you, from his answer, and, like, he doesn't know what the front office is thinking. From his answer, do you think it's more likely than not we see Brink again this season? I am expecting to see Brink again this season. Now, when that happens, I don't know. To me, the the path of least resistance in terms of a call-up is when you make a couple trades at the deadline, you bring Brink back up for the final month and a half of the season. That would be the easiest way because I do think there will be spots opened up once a couple guys get moved. However... Maybe Brink just makes the decision for them. Maybe he plays so well that, I mean, Danny Breer and a bunch of Flyers brass were at that game on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Maybe if Brink does this for another week and a half, they're like, all right, well, he's got 10 goals in six games. We've now lost eight straight games. We're playing like crap. Let's bring up the guy who's apparently on a scoring binge. 
Another player that is maybe in line for a call-up. I think it would be maybe a little surprising, but Samu's been killing it down there from uh, from all reports, and we just heard it straight from Bob Rotruck that it's going real well for yeah. him. Uh, he's found his game. Now, there's still areas of the game that right. he needs to improve on, but the scoring part, uh, he's doing pretty damn well. Oh, it's there. And I thought Bob, Bob more or less echoed my assumption and my, what I more or less have been able to, uh, to, to gather in terms of the way Tuamala is going to be developed, I guess, promoted, that sort of way. Bob basically said, look, I'm not expecting them to rush Tuamala up. He's still working on things. However, it would not at all shock me if they give him a, a pat on the back reward call up at the end of the season, you know, give him a few games, let him see what it's like to be in the NHL, give him the ability to, you know, okay, this is what overwhelmed me a bit in this three game stint. Now I'm going to spend the summer working on those things. So I give myself the opportunity to take a real run at a roster spot come September. I could see that. I am not expecting Sam Butuamala to be the, the reinforcements that they, that they call up because we're in a playoff push and he's going to be that guy who gives us that boost. I don't think that's the way they're viewing him. I think they still view him as a guy who needs some work, who who isn't a finished product and is finally having a year of stability. I don't think they necessarily want to mess with that. However, I'm really excited about how Tuomala fits. Primarily, like, I was always intrigued by him and he he showed me a lot in at development camp this summer and at uh, rookie camp and main camp. He got a long look. He did. However... Even then, I wasn't as excited as I am now, not even because of the production he's put up in the AHL, but because of the changes the Flyers have made to the way they play. I do not know if I would be as excited about Tuamala, even if he was doing everything he's doing in the AHL this year, if the Flyers were still playing the style they played last year. This, you know, grind it out, forecheck you to death, defense, defense, defense style. Now they are playing a rush-oriented transition chance attacking style. Samu Tuamala is really, really fast. Like, I don't know if he is as good of an all-around skater as Owen Tippett, but, like, his top-end speed it's, ain't that far off. Tippett has the power strides. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Tuamala has that. We just have to watch him more and see how he develops. He just turned 21. Exactly. He's not a man yet. Exactly. Like, you know, like, but it is exciting. Tuamala is fast. He's yeah. a quick guy. And having the, that speed on the wing with the way they're playing, where they're allowing the, the wingers to, you know, blast the zone a little bit early, make themselves uh, an option for stretch passes, you know, get two on ones, get three on twos, get breakaways. Tuamala could potentially be a great fit for the penalty kill. Like the guy who I go back to when I watched Tuamala, when I watched him at development camp, when I watched him play his best on the times I've been able to watch him when he was overseas, I'm like, man, if he if it comes together, I don't think he can be a top line forward or anything like that. But I see some Carl Hagelin in his game. And that's a guy who was a really, really good middle of the lineup player for some darn good teams. Just a, a matchup problem. Yes. Like, yes. okay, he might not have like the five tools but the two or three tools he has are elite. Yeah. And that's really hard to defend for third lines. Exactly. Like as a depth guy on some darn good Rangers teams yeah. and some cup winning Penguins teams, yep. he was, I wouldn't say integral, but he was a key part of the those HBK teams. line yeah. won them a cup. Exactly. Exactly. Like 
I watch Tuamala and I see Hagelin. And that excites me because I I always had time for Carl Hagelin on my NHL team. He never was on my NHL team, but I would have had time for him. If they can get Tuamala to be that type of guy where, no, he's never going to rack up the points because he's not a, a high-end finisher at the NHL level, but he's racking up a lot of chances. He's constantly putting pressure on defense. He's using that speed all the time. It's exciting to me. Just because this came up, in your interview and because this, this actually showed up in our mailbag questions and I didn't notice it till now because it was in the show more replies okay. and it wasn't just a porn bot. It was an actual question. Oh, it was an actual person. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we don't have a graphic for it, but since it came up, uh, this is from at Illy in the Philly. Sure. Who in the projected backup, who is the projected backup goalie in the next year or two? Those in Lehigh Valley have been struggling. And Bob alluded to like, you were asking about the season that they're having. And it's like, I just brought, I just looked at elite prospects and uh, yeah, the goalie numbers are horrendous in Lehigh Valley. Not not great, Bob. (laughs) No, they've been really like Felix Sandstrom and Cal Peterson are both around like uh, 890 or so. That's not going to get it done. Um, you would think there's not a ton of uh, confidence in either to give them any sort of success in the NHL. Sam Erson is the you know default number one now due to the Carter Hart situation. We don't know how that's going to resolve itself, uh, but one would assume going forward it's Erson and question mark. I, I think I think it's reasonable to until we know further information about Hart and what's going to happen to not pencil him into a role. You would think that's probably not going to be he's, the case. he's going to be in limbo for I suspect quite a while. For quite some time. So it's Erson and question mark is do you think this is going to be a well Kolosov sl- uh, solves that or they go out and find themselves a veteran? I I don't know. But if I had to guess, I would say that I think they would want Kolosov to get some AHL time. You would least. think, right? I, that that seems to be their MO. They want these guys to, you know, they're transitioning to a new style of play. You know, the KHL is obviously a really good league. It's a totally different style of play, totally different ice surface in some parts, you know, with regards to, you know, the way goalies have to play angles. I think they're going to want to give him some time unless he just goes out in camp and crushes it. So to me, my guess, if Carter Hart is not going to be a factor for the Flyers next season or possibly beyond, my guess is they will go out and they will sign someone. I don't think they're going to spend a ton of money, but they're going to go out and sign someone to make it so they don't have to rely upon Sam Harrison to start 60 games. I think that that to me fits best with what the Flyers have done in terms of team building over these last couple of years. All right. uh, We're going to leave this up to Charlie to close things out. Do you want to go Lappy or do you want to go the mailbag questions? Let's do some mailbag questions. Let's get to some mailbag Monday questions. You know it means it's just another mailbag Monday. Of course, uh, we're going to be answering them all week because that's that's how it works. Uh, But let's get to the first question from uh, let's go to Gus the Groundhog. Uh, And he asks, any chance they take a a run at Yurichek? 
Uh, always thought they should have picked him in 22 to begin with. I think that was your guy in uh, in 2022. I mean, it was, I mean, it was most yeah, people's I, consensus I, I, best. I wouldn't say he was my guy because I won't say I ever like fell in love with Yurichek when I watched him. So David Yurichek, for those who don't know, he was the uh, the sixth overall pick in the 2022 draft. Uh, right-handed shooting defenseman was ultimately taken by Columbus. The reason why he is in the news is because the Columbus Blue Jackets have been, let's just say, not doing the best job They're of developing him. They're a mess. <laughs> Yurichek was sent down to the AHL, and not only was he sent down to the AHL after being scratched for the better part of a month, he opened up to Aaron Portsline of The Athletic and gave some pretty, I won't, I won't use the word damning, but I would say surprisingly open quotes about how much he disagrees with his treatment by the Columbus Blue Jackets who have essentially told him, you're not one of our six best defensemen, so you're not going to play. And his point is, you guys stink. Why are you not letting me develop up in the NHL? I would have to say, got to give the point here to Juracek. I think he might be right He's here. He's got a point. Kind of <laughs> has a point. He's got a point. Now, I saw some comments earlier in the show because that has been like a developing story Uh with Yurichek, everyone's talking about where he might end up because it doesn't seem like he's long for Columbus. I, to be clear, I don't think this ends with Yurichek getting traded. Oh no, I think this ends with everyone getting fired in Columbus. That's a fair point. But if if for some reason they keep them all, yes, maybe they maybe the people who somehow still have their jobs would trade Yurichek. Yeah, like you can't you can't let Kekaline and trade him, right? I but like who's think, his, right? But who's his oversight? I guess the owner. Like who's stopping him? Like so, it's if available. If available, would you see the Flyers take a run at him? So this is something that came up a couple of times in my mailbag. We I, this morning, the diehard section of the mailbag was released. If you were a diehard, you can read that. Twenty questions were answered. Every, if you're not, sign up. Every single diehard person in our Discord who asked the question got it answered in our special mailbag question section of the Discord. <laughs> so that's just another perk for you if you want to become a PHLY diehard. We also had the uh, free-for-all mailbag. I believe that came out on Friday. Friday or Saturday. I don't know. Days aren't real. But a couple people did Road ask... Truck scheduled for Monday. He's scheduled for Tuesday. Yeah, to yeah. say? <laughs> anyway... A couple people brought up the idea of, I think one person brought up the idea of would the Flyers potentially trade for Philip Broberg as he's he's a defenseman on Edmonton. I say these names assuming everyone knows. I have to remember yeah. that not everyone knows these random people who very well could just be making them out of, out of thin air. Broberg's a guy who's kind of failed to fought to make his mark in Edmonton. He's a defenseman. Some people brought up the idea of, well, instead of trading for a pick, why? what if they traded for Broberg? My argument is... The Flyers have a lot of these spots on defense already filled up. They have a lot of prospects they have to develop. And that's not even accounting for the fact that apparently they want to re-sign Nick Sealer. So I am skeptical of, like, you can't get every reclamation project. You only have so many spots with which to develop reclamation projects. Jamie Drysdale has one of those spots. Igor Zamula is a guy who they are trying to develop. Cam York is a guy who they're trying to develop. They have Oliver Bonk coming in the next couple of years. Emil Andre is pushing for a spot. Ronnie Adder somehow has to fit in. I just don't know if I am super into the idea of trading for another reclamation project type in Broberg or Juracek when I don't know if you have the room to actually develop them properly. And that's like... When we talked to Jonesy, you asked about, well, maybe now that you have Drysdale, 
the focus is shifting away from defense. And he basically wear. said, yeah. And he said, yes. Like, you continue to look. Of course. And that's maybe you, like, those later round guys, those second to third, fourth round guys that maybe you draft, like, they're a while away. You yeah. know, there's there's a lot of questions answered before it's even, uh, like, well, where does this guy fit? Well, he, he's two years away from turning pro. Exactly. So You can, and then, you can kick that can down the road And then, and then he's going to go to the Phantoms for two years. So who the hell knows? You know, there's a lot that has to go on. A guy like Yurichek, he's pissed off he's not playing right now. If you also put him in the AHL, he will continue to be pissed off. Yeah. Your check skill set's intriguing to me. It absolutely is. There's a reason why at the time I preferred them take your check over Cutter Gautier. Obviously, Gautier developed better than I think I even I anticipated. I think a lot of people did. Now Gautier is no longer a flyer, but I don't love your check. I like him. I think he's a good prospect. I think he absolutely does have number one defenseman upside. The thing is, is that like I think Jamie Drysdale does too. And someone, this wasn't even a mailbag question. This was someone uh, tweeted at me on Twitter just randomly. Like, would you do Drysdale for Yurichek? And my answer was no, because the one thing about Yurichek that has always been a problem and then will remain a problem probably for his entire career, he's not a great skater. Mm. And I just personally worry. I think he can still be a very good NHL defenseman. I worry that someone who is like probably on the whole a below average NHL skater, I don't know if you can be a number one defenseman if you are a below average NHL skater. Whereas I watch Jamie Drysdale, Jamie Drysdale is a well above average NHL skater. I would, if you give me the choice between two guys with high end upside on defense, one guy's a great skater, one guy's not, I'm taking the great skater every day. That's my personal bias. Some people would look at it as Drysdale's small and I'm taking the big guy. That's never going to be me. I'm always going to prioritize skating over size. That's my personal bias. But my thing is that I certainly wouldn't trade Drysdale for Eurocheck because I value Drysdale more. Also, if you're developing Drysdale with big minutes, I don't know if there will be enough minutes to go around to also give those to Eurocheck as well, given the fact they're both right-handed shots. You have Ristolainen. You have Bonk coming. You have Sandheim, who's better on the right side. I don't know. It just... I don't hate the idea, but I just think it would honestly end up being more trouble than it's worth. All right. Last question for today from Stakatoshi, a regular here Stakatoshi. in the, uh, in the show's mailbag. Was there any legitimacy to the Zegris rumor or was that people just saying they knew Drysdale was friends with him and the flyers could use a young center? I think the answer to this is yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's both. It's like, both. It was clear from, I mean, I was following the Drysdale and Zegers negotiations in the summer that bled over. That's why they both missed camp. They didn't have contracts yet. It's not a holdout when you don't have a contract. You're not signed. Um, but it was a little bit of a contentious situation. The contract negotiations there with Pat Verbeek. And it later came out, basically right after the Drysdale trade. <laughs> like, ah, oh, yeah, well, phone still, phone still works. Give us a call. Yeah. So it, like putting pieces together, it's like, okay, we just, we're in a bit of a, I know you feel differently. Maybe if they were that interested in Zegris, they could have just thrown it all together. My thing is they were in a time crunch. True. Maybe the situation was like, Hey, we'll come back to it. You know? And then of course he goes and gets hurt. So it's like, Oh, well now there's really no rush on this right. part. You know, the next day he gets hurt basically. So I'm like, I, you know, <laughs> Is there legitimate interest? Like, no, Danny Breer did not tell me. Like, Keith Jones, when we sat down with him, didn't tell me, 
Hey, off the record, it's he didn't say <laughs> he didn't say the one guy. way. He didn't say one way or the other. And if he didn't, it was off the record. I'm smart enough to know I can't say. I'm just telling <laughs> you, he wasn't like, yeah, we're we're in on Zegers. Like he, none of that was said. But I would not be shocked if there was some sort of talk. But for the most part, this is people going, hey, we need a center, and uh, he's friends with this guy. Right? Exa- exactly. That that's what it boils down to. The Twitter conversation is mostly because Drysdale and Zegers are buddies. It's like, oh well, like they broke up the best friends. Well, about that, what if we brought the best friends back together in a new locale? My thing with this is that. It's just very tough for me to imagine that the Flyers haven't at least thought about the idea of Zegers. Like we talked to Jonesy last week and Jonesy unprompted said, our top priority pretty much now is center. Well, guess what? There ain't that many (laughs) under 23 years old centers theoretically available with top line center potential. It's basically one guy. Trevor Zegers. So, of course, the Flyers have at least checked in as to, hey, you know, I'm not saying we're going to trade for him, but if, you know, in the offseason we're thinking about it, what might he cost? It would blow me away if they haven't at least discussed the possibility. It just makes too much sense. My addition to this question that I wanted to ask you, because the question about trades like this is, all right, what's the price? What would you be willing to give up? Would you trade Frost plus picks ancillary pieces for Trevor Zegers? Yes. 100%. I, I think some people were shocked about this. It's very funny when, like, four weeks ago, if you would have proposed the idea yeah. of trading Morgan Frost as a centerpiece <laughs> of Trevor Zegers, people would have been like, yeah, that sounds great. Now it's like, no, I think that's too much. We can't afford to trade Morgan Frost. And when Frost. I say Frost plus, like, some ancillary pieces, okay, whatever. Uh, like, no, I, I, one I, of the first round picks, to be certain. I would, and then maybe some more shit, I too. I would, in an absolute heartbeat, trade away a first round pick and Morgan Frost for Trevor Zegers. I the reason the fact that I would be willing to do that so quickly tells you that there's no friggin' way Anaheim would do it. You would have to give up more. But as as the starting point, I would offer a first and Morgan Frost and a goddamn heartbeat for Trevor Zegers. And I think Morgan Frost is a perfectly fine player. I think if Morgan Frost if Morgan Frost had the upside to be an impact first line center at the NHL level, we would have seen it by now. We have not. Maybe Morgan Frost will ultimately top out as a really perfectly solid second-line center, and that's great. He's not first-line center caliber, in my opinion. If he was, we'd have seen it. We haven't seen it. Trevor Zegers has that upside. Will he get to that point in his career? I don't know. Yeah, he's not yet either. But he has that upside. He is everything that Morgan Frost is, but a lot better. Yeah. All right, so that's uh, that's the mailbag for today. Before we get out of here, I need you to ask yourself a question. What would you do if you found yourself in the beautiful city of Las Vegas and you had an extra $100 in your pocket? I bet there's a lot you could you, you can stretch 100 bucks in Vegas. Yeah, you, know, you can make it I'll take your word for you, it. Though. You, <laughs> <laughs> I went out for some pretty good breakfasts that were under $100 in, in Vegas. Uh most of them were liquid breakfasts, but <laughs> I think you can find a few fun things to do with an extra 100 bucks if you find yourself in Las Vegas. Maybe you're there in mid-February for a pretty big game uh between those barbecue in Kansas Cityers and uh, those stoners from San Fran. Uh, 
You see how I'm, see I'm circling around this here? Uh, listen, Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Uh, and right now, all users get $100 off when they buy a big game ticket with code VEGAS100, V-E-G-A-S-100. 100 you know and game time obviously all the same stuff applies as usual uh killer deals last minute tickets the all-in prices when you when you see the price on game time very underrated thing about them that's the actual price you're gonna pay uh they don't hit you with all the fees at the end after you've already decided i'm going i'm doing this. oh man it's gonna be an extra 90 bucks what no they hit you with everything in the upfront price and you get the view from your seats and the best price guarantee, man. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. You're not going to have to worry. Oh, well, what if I find it somewhere cheaper? No, you know the deal. Same section and row for cheaper. You get 110% of the difference. That's always the case with game time. So you got to check them out right now. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time right now. All game time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code Vegas 100 terms apply. Just download the game time app and use code V E G A S 100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the big game, use code P H L Y for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed we got anything else today charlie no i think that was a uh, a very information filled show and we have part two of our interview with bob Rotruck where he, he will be answering questions on guys like emil andre ronnie adder elliot de Noyer. we got it coming for you tomorrow so keep an eye out for that our show will be at 3 p.m so again that'll probably be we'll probably show that interview around like 3 15 ish and then we'll go into detail on our thoughts on what bob had to say make sure you're right back here tomorrow for part two and yet another episode of phly flyers this one as they all are presented by mortgage cs check out mortgagecs.com slash phly to start your home buying process today company nmls id number one four six four seven six six thank you all for listening thank you for hanging out if you haven't already hit that subscribe button we're on youtube we're on twitter on the podcast you know all the stuff my name is bill Matz for charlie o'connor have a great monday philly you're all silly like the mayor 